Hello again, I'm Brandon Dawson, and this is The Distiller, a podcast about how we find meaningful work and how we find meaning in the work we do. Today's episode is one that had me excited for weeks before we actually sat down to record. Michael Wilson is a Cincinnati-based photographer whose work is known worldwide. And long ago, before I lived in Cincinnati, when I was a radio DJ in Boise, Idaho, I knew Michael's name because his photos graced the covers of some of my favorite records from Emmylou Harris's Red Dirt Girl, Rodney Crowell's The Houston Kid, Randy Newman's Songbook Volume 1, the list goes on. Alan Toussaint, The Replacements, The Neville Brothers, Loudon Wainwright III, John Hyatt, Joe Ely, Buddy Miller, David Wilcox, Al Jarreau, B.B. King, Bill Frizzell. Oh, and just about every album covered by Lyle Lovett and Over the Rhine, and more recently, Jason Isbell's Southeastern, and so on and so on. I met Michael shortly after I moved to Cincinnati in the early 2000s. The first time I ever met Michael, it was in a group of people helping some common friends move out of a house in Norwood, which is kind of a city inside a city in Cincinnati. Somebody introduced us. I mentioned that I knew and loved Michael's work. He asked where I was from. I said Idaho, and Michael got this faraway look in his eyes. And later that day, I'd hear Michael from the third floor attic of the house shouting out, Idaho, as if he was uh, kind of trying on the word for size. I loved it, and it was endearing to me, and I have uh, loved Michael since. Michael is undoubtedly a master. His photos have a quality that you can pick out from across a room. Something about them that makes you say, that is a Michael Wilson photograph. I've been so looking forward to talking to Michael for The Distiller because Michael is somebody whose work oozes from his pores. It's hard to imagine who or what he would be if he weren't Michael Wilson. And the the kindness, the generosity, the genuine curiosity he brings to his work are inspiring and infectious. My favorite part of our conversation is hearing about the, the, the kind of ineffable thing that draws Michael to a picture or to a piece of music and the way he both can't explain it at all and explains it perfectly, but kind of getting ahead of myself. Michael and I sat down on a Friday afternoon at maybe the most Cincinnati of all Cincinnati spots. Arnold's Bar and Grill on 8th Street is the oldest continually operating bar in Cincinnati and one of the oldest in the United States. It was opened in 1838, if you believe the stories. It was opened as a brothel and was then converted to a bar in 1861 by a former mobster and pro wrestler named Jim Christakos. Arnold's has been celebrated by the likes of Esquire magazine as one of the best bars in America. Um, Cocktail guru David Wondrich stated, quote, if Arnold's were in New York, San Francisco, Chicago, or Boston, somewhere in short that people actually visit, it would be world famous. It's a landmark, a national treasure, and it was the perfect place to sit down on a Friday afternoon with Michael Wilson and talk about work. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Here is The Distiller with Michael Wilson. So when you were young, you started shooting photos when you were in high school, college? Yeah, I honestly, the, 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 um, the photography happened <clears throat> not by any sort of um, uh, effort on my part. It was, the, the, I'll try to make a short version of my how photography became a thing to me. And that was uh, during high school, one of my best friends in high school, and he's still a good friend. He lives in Los Angeles. He, um, he took pictures for the school paper and his name is uh, Dan Wickemeyer. And, um, but so just hanging out at Dan's house, we go 
just to hang out. I would just go to hang out with him, and he would say, oh, I forgot, I have to make a picture for the school paper, uh, so let's run down the darkroom. And, and, and I would, so I, would, I was sort of like accidentally introduced to photography. He had a darkroom in his home because his dad had been a photographer in World War II and had a darkroom. And, and, uh, and, but I, well, I thought that was interesting, sort of was... I didn't occupy much retail space in my my shelves, whatever. It, but all through high school, I was sort of like, sort of mildly obs- not. I was stuck on the French horn. Is what it was. Uh-huh. I, 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 I was. I, I, I love the carry the thing around. I love the idea of playing it when I should have been listening to Aerosmith and Led <laughs> Zeppelin. I was listening to my four Dennis Brain French horn records over and over. I, that's all I did was like think about the French horn. But the, the, the weird thing was, was I couldn't play it. I was in high school band. I don't know if you're familiar. They have like first chair. And then they have like, well, I was perpetually whatever the last chair was. If there were five of us, I was whatever. I was always, and, and I think I was the kind of person, maybe it's because I was small in stature and, they thought maybe I looked breakable or something. No one ever like bothered to say, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't take this so seriously because you're, you know, if somebody had just said like, you're really not good at this. Because all through high school, I, all I did was sort of like fixate on the French horn, and I worked at the Burger Chef on Montgomery Road there, or where the Chipotle is now. That was a Burger Chef. Anyway, uh-huh. saving up money for this. Uh, French horn, which cost eight hundred dollars oh at the God. time, and I did. I did. I wound up saving up eight hundred dollars, and um, and that was about the exact same time. My last year, it was at the end of the my senior year of high school, when it it sort of dawned on me that I couldn't play the French horn, and uh, so How, was that a was that a progressive realization, or was there some yeah, one incident progr- where you realized it, no, this isn't a good idea? It, it was just it was it, it was progressive and. And I, I just loved um, sort of, you know, it was, I don't know what that was all about. It was like, um, it's, it's going to remain a mystery to me. I, I, but anyway, it, it was gradual, Brandon. And, but once it sort of occurred to me, a couple things happened really fast. This was like the spring of, you know, when you're finishing up high school. My brother was four years older than me. He was graduating from college, and he had started playing music playing guitar in college and he got pretty good pretty fast and uh he came home one weekend and said he wanted to buy a martin mm. d28 which was six hundred dollars and i said i have eight hundred dollars so i loaned him six hundred dollars he bought a martin d28 this is 1977 wow and he still has it it sounds great yeah but, um and that guitar it's, is it's now, worth a lot more no than, i know what the, the, yeah, yeah as a guitar so, player i know what the d28s cost now yeah uh, yeah but he paid me back too, and um, but I had two hundred at the time. I had two hundred dollars in left over, so I, I went to my friend that was Dan, who was the photographer. Said, "How much would it cost to get a camera?" So honestly, my my buying a camera had more to do with that. The, this two hundred dollars burning a hole in my pocket, right? And I felt like I'd earned it something. Yeah. You well, know? you had. I mean, you so um, <laughs> so I gave up the dream of the French horn, and I, I bought a camera, not because I love photography, but because I wanted to buy something. Yeah. And um, th- so this story's not 
getting shorter, is it? Anyway, so... That, we've then, got plenty of time. So, so what happened then was, uh, like I said, this all happened fast. The last day of high school, um, they called me out of homeroom and says, do you have any plans for college? And I said, no. And they said, would if you were offered a scholarship to Northern Kentucky University, would you go there? I said, sure. So, um, and what that had happened at the time, NKU was looking to like build interest. So they gave a scholarship to every high school mm. in the city, I think. And all you had to do is maintain a B average and it would like, so it seems crazy now that I got that lucky because I had failed math in high school, mm -hmm. but my, one of my older sisters had gone to school with my math teacher. So my, F became a D and I became an academic, I got an academic scholarship to NKU. <laughs> That's so good. So, so, um, so I get this academic scholarship on, n not on academic grounds, but honestly, because no one at my high school wanted to go to NKU. At that time, it was a commuter school right. and for the people that I know wanted to go to college wanted to go away. Right. And for people that don't know, the, the geographic setting of Cincinnati is directly across the Ohio River from Northern Kentucky. So Northern Kentucky University, what yeah. is that actually in? It's not Highland Heights, Highland Heights, Kentucky, yeah. which is so, just across the river. Yeah. So it's basically in Cincinnati, it is. Uh, yeah. although not right in the city. So um, I'm, I'm I am gifted with this, uh, and then I got there, and the, the sort of the, the the sort of like the 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 gifts continue to unfold because I remember a kindly sort of um, older professor that was my you line up and they show you the catalog and what do you want to study, sign up for your first classes. And, and he said, well, what do you want to, um, what are you interested in? And I said, well, honestly, I hadn't been planning on going to college. So he, for some reason he asked me, do you have any hobbies? And I said, well, I just bought a camera. So, so he flips through the catalog and finds, oh, we have photography. Oh, we have a photographer. You can major in <laughs> photography here. So, Congratulations, uh, so, you're a photographer. So, so yeah, he said, well, you can major in, and I thought, okay, great. You know, so I have, a, I got a camera, uh, and then he said, well, it's it's a it's a fine art major. You would are you would you be interested in being an art major? And I never had any art classes in high school or anything, but I thought, sure, whatever, yeah. So Why not? so I became um, yeah, it, it, and in in that first semester, I wasn't able to get into a photo class, so my first class was drawing and I was way in over my head but too overwhelmed to like uh, fight against it mm. but that's this the second semester over that first year was really important for starting something in me because the um, the, the teacher there still lives in the area Barry Anderson um, I attribute attribute him with sort of basically pulling back the curtain on the history of photography, which was something I was totally oblivious to. I had no idea that, uh, I mean, even in the late 70s, there were too many photographs in the world, but there's so many that I, you know, I didn't even think about them. I thought, and honestly, if I had to think about it, I would say, oh, I guess photographers work for newspapers. I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't, um, but I didn't, I didn't even think that thought. But, um, but when, it, when I, when I realized, when he showed us the work of 150 years of people that had been spend their life's energy making photographs, I was like, you know, that that was uh, changed everything for me. Who did you like? Who grabbed your attention? Well, there were. <clears throat> 
many, but I, I can, I'll we'll call one as sort of like um, a very specific example. And um, a photographer who's still living named Bruce Davidson. And, um, and I uh, still have, um, I actually have the cassette accompanied film strip that, um, that was shown. I still remember watching. It was one of those, uh, the cassette would play and then it would beep and the next picture would come up. And, uh-huh. and in this case, the, the, it was a series of film strips where the photographers were talking about their work. And I remember the Bruce Davidson film strip. And, um, and I, I had this sense almost like, and I think I might be um, have um, you know how you if you have a dream and then you start talking about the dream after a while if it was a dream that made enough of an impression that you have told it a couple of days out you're not so sure how attached that telling is to the actual dream right so but this is how I remember that feeling mm-hmm. what I remember the feeling like is like sort of like rocks being sort of placed on my chest like mm. every time it would beep and like it was like a he- like a heaviness in a good way like wow oh, like oh it was getting is- in there yeah it was like it was like a weight you know landing on me wow and you're uh, you're 18 19 yeah at this point yeah when did you first get the sense that you might be any good at it <clears throat> that's a good question and how <coughs> pardon me i know i got encouragement at nku there was a really at that time it was a really good environment to be and it was a small program but there were like I wound up over those four years living with <clears throat> uh, four or five other people in different places in Covington and around town where, where we were all sort of equally sort of just hell-bent on making photographs mm. and so so I was definitely re- receiving encouragement from that uh, this sort of group of peers t- who was also feeling like you know because now when i look about photography is sometimes it's hard to feel like it matters or it makes sense but at that time we were in a really sort of like wonderful incubator say from those chilly winds of like well how does this matter yeah we were in an environment where like this matters yep and we care and and so um so i was getting encouragement there certainly from barry anderson the teacher and other teachers there that would come through Mm mm-hmm you know, you would do, you would, you would have encouragement. You would also have like, you know, the, the realization that, uh, you know, like, gosh, I, I don't think they really liked my new work or whatever. So you would, you right. would, so you were, but yeah, I, but if I thought I, huh, that's good. I'm sure it was somewhere in that period, and I would be, I, and I've received. So I think um, the problem with, uh, not the problem with encouragement from outside is. Sometimes it's hard to hear it. I know I was receiving it, and, 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 um, but I, I tend to sort of like automatically sort of like, uh, sort of like not put that on in a safe place. So, mm-hmm. But I'm sure I was getting in there. But it sounds like as well the environment that you were in with your friends was sort of where feedback, good or bad, wouldn't have necessarily gotten through. You guys were, were doing your thing, and, yeah. and we're pushing forward, yeah. and we're making each other better. Yeah. Was there... So you you said that this started because the NKU people said, well, do you have any hobbies? So yeah. photography is a hobby to you. Yeah. What's the transition, and how long does it take before that hobby uh, becomes uh, this is my work? It, this is- yeah, and th- this is th- that happened. It's almost at that point. 
Um, I, I've been thinking about this because we got these goats, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 I, what are your goats' names? Um, Mary Poppins and Clover, but we didn't uh. name them. Okay, so so, <laughs> but um, and I'm so I'm thinking a lot about um, uh, this this. Uh, I've never been a shepherd, and I've never been around shepherds, but there's a <clears throat> there's a um, there's a a verse in the Bible that has always thrown me, and it talks it will, like it talks about like it's, it's referencing this thing about shepherding, and it's in one of the Psalms. It talks, about, "I will guide you with my eyes." And mm. I thought, like, huh, like that doesn't really make any sense. How like if you have animals, you don't like just like you know like sort of like secret message them like, "Hey, go over there and give them a like, give them a raised I, eyebrow." But but I think what what. What happened for me was photography almost became like a shepherd to me. Like at that point, early on, I think I started following. Okay, and 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 so when I so I'm trying to get back to the idea of the eyes and the shepherding because like when I'm out with the goats, I go where I want to go, and the goats will follow me. So like it's like I'm I am like going, and then if I see there's danger or something, uh -huh. I will like I will lead them somewhere else. Right. So. Uh, so in, in that sense, I would say that pretty immediately at that sort of like from that sort of first sort of like uh, introduction puppy love sort of phase of photography, it became sort of a shepherd that I started following really so, quickly. You really were quickly, it super I, yeah, seriously, and yeah, 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 yeah. So yes, very much so. And I wasn't thinking about how that would impact my life or making a living, but I knew that was what I was going to follow. Do you, I don't know if this is a weird question, do you remember the first time you ever got paid for a photograph? Um, <clears throat> yes. Uh, in the vaguest ways. It would have been in college. I would have, I've been, it would have been, um, <coughs> pardon me, the, the, uh, uh, after that first uh, year of, I think I would have um, sort of foisted myself on the the paper in Norwood, which was called the Norwood Enterprise, mm -hmm. and I I would have um, taken pictures of like a Fourth of July. I forget. I'm sure that I got paid something for that. <clears throat> I'm not sure what it would have been. Also, um, about that same time, I would have gotten a, my uncle was a. Um, uh, union boss for the um, the asbestos workers, and my 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 dad and all his brothers all <clears throat> all were, were pipe covers, asbestos mm -hmm. workers. So I would get. I know once my uncle found out that you know that I you know Don's son is studying photography, he would like you know I would get to take uh during the summer i would like take picture of a construction site that they would put so i, I forget i'm sure i would have got so those would have been small <clears throat> little things i would have uh gotten paid for yeah sort of knocking around like just taking taking photos whenever people needed them not necessarily yeah. art photos but yeah like yeah and i i began doing you know work for um in trade for money early on but very few of those pictures are ones that I would want to remember. <laughs> <laughs> do you hold, I mean, do you hold on to any older photos? Uh, yeah, I have, I have, um, I have lo lots of them for a while there. When I first went, uh, decided I was going to try to make a living as a freelance photographer. This was a good <clears throat> sort of, um, 
number of years after I've actually been out of college, but because I didn't go become a photographer <clears throat> on my own right after school. Mm. But in, <clears throat> pardon me, 1987, I, I did decide that I was going to try to be living as a freelance photographer. And I, I, I kept a box, and I still have it, of, uh, that it's, uh, of these sort of like really embarrassing things I, I did. Um, picture, oh, uh, you know, it's, it's really not worth even like trying to put into words, but I still have them, and I have, they're in a folder that says, he who humbles himself is wise. <laughs> but, um, but, um, but yeah, I've done a lot of things I did. There's, and, and yeah, and it was, it was um, I've, I'm learning. Yeah, what was um, what was the decision when you decided in 1987 to become to say this is my yeah. profession? I'm going to be a freelance photographer. Uh, how did that come around, yeah. and what did that mean to you to take that jump? That was born out of a um, a, um, a a a uh, what do you call it? A collision of. Um, Frustration and uh, desire. Maybe mm. that's the way, the way all life happens. But um, uh, I had been working um, after um, college. I knew I loved photography. That was never in question. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure how that would play out in my life, and I didn't really. And I've and Marilyn will tell you this is makes it hard to be around me, as I don't really think through things very much. And I certainly didn't think through how I was going to make a living. Or, um, but at that time, since my degree was in photography, but was in fine art, so it's basically like if you had an undergraduate degree in drawing or painting. So mm -hmm. it was not a very um, job-friendly degree. Right. The the logical sort of if you want a career path from there, the the, the obvious path was to go to graduate school and pursue a career as a teacher. So that, that was pretty much as a, as a fine art photographer, the, the classic way you can survive doing this is teach photography and do your own work. And I, I didn't think I wanted to be a teacher, and I knew I didn't want to go to graduate school. And I was really curious, would I still make pictures if no one's forcing me to? In school, I knew I loved it, but if, I, if, I, if no one was like, Forcing, if I didn't have to show work for a critique to get a grade, would I still make pictures? And I, I think that was what I really was like the big question when I left college, got out of college, was like, am I still going to make pictures? Yeah. And the truth is, is I did, and I published a, a book of of that work, sort of self published in 1984, th that I still feel good about. But what um, was that book called? That book is called. <clears throat> Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Yeah. And it's, um, <clears throat> uh, but um, the, I, I, so I worked after, um, and that was made up of pictures that I made sort of in that period right after school, just walking and photographing. And, um, but um, I, I, I kind of, I think maybe subconsciously chose work that was not photography related. I worked as janitor and worked in kitchens, you know, um, not cooking, but washing dishes and stuff. And, um, and it wasn't very taxing on my mind, but then eventually I, I, I had this darkroom skill. So I got it. 
I got some jobs closer to photography. Eventually, I spent four years working for a textbook publisher um, called Southwestern Publishing. They had an in-house photography studio. This was the early 80s. The world was real different. And um, this sort of uh, textbook publisher had this, like, big photo studio. They would handle all the... Their, most of their photo- photography needs in-house. They had a staff photographer, and I was the, did all the darkroom work and the mm-hmm. assisting. And those four years were really good, but I was spending every day involved in photography, but realizing, like, I am hating, and not hating, I, I am less and less and less and less interested in photography. The, the more time I was spending here because and, you're not making your own pictures right. you're just and 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 I was and I was realizing that I was um using some of the same tools and skills but um in a in a way that manifested in pictures that I I didn't care about at all mm. and at the same time you know um I would spend most of my spare time in record stores just looking at records <clears throat> and so I would be flipping through you know, spend an hour at the record store, and I'd I would just like see a beautiful photograph. Maybe it would be the Robert Frank photograph on a on a cover of a record, or I'd see you know a Joel Meyerowitz photograph, or I'd see pe- people whose work, I, or a really great sort of portrait by someone like <clears throat> Norman Seif or Annie Leibovitz, or you know, yeah. just beautiful pictures. And I think. And I would think back where I'd just spent the day doing pictures that I didn't. I think like, well, there's people getting to make pictures that, that I do care about, you know. <clears throat> so very slowly, that, that the frustration of the, being around pictures I didn't care about, but seeing pictures out there that, that were related to the kind of picture I, that I was in love with. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, I had a, had a friend then who is still a good friend named David Sheldon, who's an illustrator. Mm-hmm. And he had gone freelance as an illustrator a year before I went freelance. And, um, and he was somebody that, you know, he knew what, how I cared about photography, and he would hear me sort of like <clears throat> moan about this. And I would, I, I think I eventually just sort of like sort of vented some childish jealousy that... <clears throat> <laughs> You know, said like, you know, like, why do other people get to do these kind of pictures and I don't get to? And, and, uh, and he said, well, have you ever told anybody that you want to do this? Mm. And I said, no. <laughs> so he, um, I, I started that. I started paying attention at the, at the specifically at like the record stores, and I would like, would, I would at the time, you know, you're looking at LPs and most of the credits were on the back. So you, even if you didn't buy the record, I'd pick up a record just for its cover, see who played bass, who produced it, you know, where it was recorded. And I would also see who was who made the photograph and where and who the art director was. Mm-hmm. And I would these photo I would there was this um recurring name that popped up on a lot of the records that that jumped out at me just like a, from the image. And it would be different photographers or different kinds of covers, but this one name kept showing up as the art director. And so I made a note of it, and um, and I made up. Uh, her name is Jerry uh, Hyden, and that's all I knew. Um, and um, she worked at Warner Brothers, <clears throat> so I um, made a, a 
a small hand-bound book of about 10 portraits. Mm. And um, with my friend David Sheldon's encouragement and with Marilyn sort of binding this book together for me, I just looked up her address and sent her a book and said, I, you know, enjoy it. So that was like probably this, one of the smartest things I ever did was actually sort of like a doing something and and b sort of letting someone know about it getting it and, out there and i yeah and she she was kind enough to write back um uh, uh oh i've jumped ahead in the story brandon oh it doesn't matter no this, this is this is let's the see, story let's see but see but the, the frustration eventually led to um at, at the workplace what happened was by that time i was married in 85 and um and our only expense was our apartment and uh, my truck mm-hmm. I had. So when my truck was paid off, for some reason, I decided that was when it was time to go freelance because that was my last reoccurring payment. Bills dropped. And, and so, and, and I remember going to the exit, what they called an exit interview at this the place where I worked. And they were very nice. They well, well, I hope we wish you good luck. What is your business plan? And I thought, I, I don't have a business plan. I just I'm know my truck's pictures. paid off. and just like, you right. know. Um, and so that, that first year, the first calendar year that I was freelance, I made $3,000, I think, the whole year. Wow. Uh, so... It, it's not gotten much better, but it's, <laughs> but, anyway, but anyway, it, yeah, um, but young people should make plans, not do it. But anyway, um, so, so two years into this, this freelance thing was when this, um, I, with, is, um, so I quit the job in 87 and, um, I did just basically, I, I would walk door to door to designers in Cincinnati and sort of like, and it was, I very realized now how fortunate I was that this was pre-digital, so um, there was still a need for people that could even do rudimentary photography. Right. I mean, like, where you required somebody that knew at least how to process film or do something. So I was able to get some work. A lot of that work wound up in that folder I told you about. He, mm-hmm. um, you know, work that I would never show. But... Um, a couple years into that, when I finally did reach out to this um, name, that's all it was to me at the time, Jerry Hyden at Warner Brothers, with a book of portraits that I did care about. And, um, and at that time, I had been photographing a lot of local musicians just because I love music. and be- So th- there were mostly musicians in this uh, book. Um, she wrote back, and uh, that led to a uh, photographing a band called the Bodines, mm-hmm. who was on tour and that wound up being used um, for a record they put out. And um, uh, you talked a little bit about like working on photos for that company that you didn't care about, and then seeing photos that you did. That you did. What makes you care about a photo, whether it's yours or uh, somebody else's? Mm, can you put that into mm, words? Is there something when you see something that yeah. puts that weight on your chest? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, Brandon, that's a great question, and one that um, probably one of your guests will maybe be able to answer. I, it, it is, it, it it exists sort of in that same place th- that when you hear a song or a, 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 a maybe a piece of music, and it just sort of like, um, 
you realize that there's you know something else going on in the world that that mm-hmm. <laughs> matters more than you know that 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 it, it, somehow it just it's like um no i'm not going to be able to put it into words but i it, it exists in the same place and it's going to be a, it's going to the, the thing that moves me in a photograph may be different than the thing that moves someone else just to sit, like a music will affect different people and but it exists in that same place where music that moves me or words that move me sort of like is it is it that they sort of like these are moments that um sort of like p- pierce the dullness mm-hmm. of, of our you know the mm-hmm. sort of like the, the the complacency or the um uh roteness of our life i don't know the breakthrough that yeah somehow yeah but it's not i mean i guess what's inherent in your answer is it has nothing to do with technical no precision no no like oh they really nailed the yeah. you know boy that's real sharp or no, boy and, that's you yeah. know like and i can appreciate that but no sure. that's not what yeah Right on. Yeah. And so I would imagine that that translates into, are there instances where you see images that take your breath away that are, that are not by professional or skilled or, yeah. or master photographers? Yeah, I, I, yeah there's a, a really, really beautiful book that's a testament to that. <clears throat> um, and, and also probably shoeboxes all over the world filled with photographs that mm-hmm. were just like, done in offhand ways it, it, in honest moments of people's lives that now we're separated from those lives but you've got this artifact that somehow then like just starts something spinning in you when you see it but there's the book I was it's a, there's a lovely little book called um, Photo Photo Trouvé or whatever the French word for found mm-hmm. and it's just a collection somebody has beautifully sort of curated found Photographs and and it is like yeah it, it is a uh, it's a really powerful it's probably as powerful as mm-hmm. any of the photo books by my favorite photographers. <clears throat> uh, let's talk a little bit about how you work because um, I think my sense uh, originally was you get a commission. I mean you've done a lot of studio portraiture, some uh-huh. of it on album covers and some mm-hmm. of it not. But it sounds to me like just as much of your work is just wandering around the neighborhood uh, yeah. taking a lot of photographs yeah, and, and finding something beautiful. I, that, that's, I think you're, you're exactly right. And, and, and the interesting word there is work. I mean, if, um, it, it's like if, if, you, if, if photography is this sort of like thing I'm following, this shepherd I'm following, it's like it, it's, certain times I've found myself following that shepherd into places where I'm um, doing, um, I am totally doing uh, a dance that I'm paid to dance, you know. Mm. Other times I'm, I am just like dancing for out of just because I'm so happy to be someplace, you know, just like, you know, uh, and I think both are valuable things. Like I, you know, uh, thank goodness there are like uh, firms in, even in Cincinnati, that maybe there'll be uh, maybe they're financial advisors, and they want you know someone to come in and make pictures of all their employees. And I go in and I'll do that, and as honest as in as careful way I, as I can. That's very <clears throat> yeah. That that is work as a photographer. But then to, to just the the 
but that's not, I can't sustain that for very long without the moments that you were sort of describing where I am just um, going and um, sort of like listening to the world, you know, just sort of like, um, and, and sort of, yeah. Is that a practice that you have? Is there any intention or rhythm to how many days no, a week you just go it, out with your camera? And no, and, and sadly, um, the, the, there was, a, um, and, um, there, there was a time when you, you couldn't have stopped me from putting film in a camera and walking. Mm. And now that is not the case. But I, once the film is in the camera and my feet are underneath me, and I'm on the sidewalk, I, I, I feel the same. I know this is what I do. So I have, over the years, I've used different artificial, I guess, um, architectures to support. And sometimes I've been, uh, like, like I've um, walked certain streets. Like more recently, I've been photographing State and Beacon Streets in, on the west side of Cincinnati. And I will just walk... Um, not to say anything about that neighborhood, but just it, it's a place I know, and I can just and uh, and then I. Unfortunately, sometimes people ask me to like sort of like, uh, um, and I I've, uh, recently uh, a mutual friend, uh, Rich Hordinsky, is, mm-hmm. um, which was on to, our third episode of the of the podcast. Yeah, is um, asked me to sort of like sort of take that sort of sensibility to the neighborhood that he lives in Walnut Hills. So I've just been, and that, that feels really good. I don't know if the pictures are any good, but I know that when I've been walking these streets and just, it's this, you know, active listening, I guess, with your mm-hmm. eyes, mm-hmm. it, it feels like no one benefits from this. No, and if, but what, but it's the, it, it feels like this is the one thing I do that makes sense. And it's that's which is weird. I can't quite square those things. But like, why does the one thing that makes total sense to me, like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, no one benefits from this? Like, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think a lot of people would argue. It reminds me of that Elvis Costello song, like all this useless beauty. Oh, I don't know if uh, it's a song or an album yeah. album title, uh, but it's. Uh, I think a lot of people would would argue uh, that it that it has great benefit. How is that process of wandering around the neighborhood and how you think about the photos that you're trying to make in that setting different from when you are, you know, working with a, a musician. Yeah. I know you've done a lot of stuff yeah. for Lyle Lovett and you just, yeah. like, uh, you know, John Hyatt and different people. Yeah. How is your how's your approach yeah, the, well, different in those settings? First of all, yeah, and also the, 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 the nature of the... Maybe it's just in the the, the the basic difference of those two kinds of um, call them conversations. One is sort of a um, basically a conversation when I'm walking a street and photographing. Just I am basically in conversation with my <laughs> myself. I am, you know, I don't want to say meditating, but I am. I am. Yeah, I am the. Um, all the voices I'm, I'm hearing or whatever, but I'm, I'm not responsible to any other party in this conversation at right. the moment. Um, but when I'm doing a portrait, it is very much about um, the, the, this, the, the thoughts are guided by our 
sort of connection together, just like this conversation is being formed by, you know, our we are tethered by mm-hmm. by our words. Mm-hmm. When I'm doing a portrait, I am tethered to to a um, a person and a and and I am and I'm and I and I love that. I I, I think of it like this. I have thought of it like this. I have a tractor, and this I got this tractor so I could plow this uh, little farm I have. Mm-hmm. The tractor is my photography, making photographs. But sometimes I get hired, my tractor and me get hired to pull floats in parades. Uh-huh. So that's what when I'm sometimes when doing my, and I, and that I don't mean to make that sound like not a good or not an honorable thing, but but I love you know, you know. And I, there are certain floats that I love to pull through parades. I mean, it, it, and, and what a photographer does is really a really small part of that. But it is, it's fun to get to be involved with people. And I love music. So for me, that's like always been like a really a beautiful gift to be able to like have a, some sort of little attachment to somebody whose work that you care about very much. Right. And I think, you know, for somebody who might be listening, who loves to take photographs uh, and might be younger. It, it might seem like somebody who's done the body of work that you have done gets to kind of make all your own choices at this point. And you sometimes have to pull the float and you can find yeah. ways to enjoy pulling yeah. the float, even yeah. if that's not what you might want to be doing. Yes. That yeah. day. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, and, and, and the, um, the, the nature certain most of the portraits that I do for music are there's <clears throat> pictures for music happen in different ways they can happen sort of candidly like in concerts or maybe like if <clears throat> in the the spirit of um some of the Jim Marshall pictures where where where, where maybe somebody's living their life with these musicians and they're mm-hmm. basically you know with them 24 7 or uh for magazines and editorial things where like a, the, the uh, or, or for the when you're part of when you're in cahoots with the record company and the and that's sort of where I have mostly been involved where I am involved where they want to work with me because we are here whereas sometimes I I remember doing a, a editorial shoot for a, a, a what was the um, remember that band D-Light the groove is in yeah. the heart anyway yeah, yeah. I remember remember shooting them but it was for a magazine it was on the first time i realized oh it's um i was how lucky i was to be on the others being from introduced to these musicians from the uh from the inside from their working on their for their record cover because that was the first time i was like and they were at a place where like the magazine wanted a picture of them but they didn't necessarily want to work with and i remember being like Thing, thing like sort of like not not really abused but like yeah almost abused and i think like oh this is no fun at all they weren't happy to this be is, there for you at yeah, all this was like this is not fun yeah this is not a conversation this is like somebody avoiding me like you know yeah no uh, i i have i know that experience well yeah. my, <laughs> my my when i was in radio years and years ago like so many of those interviews feel like they're just what they have to do in order to satisfy the publicist or to satisfy the label rather than what they want to do to to be true to to what they're doing so yeah maybe i have a really sort of privileged sort of experience with some of these people i guess because i have and you've also developed some some 
meaningful relationships out of that. I mean, I yeah. think uh, I, I think you and Lyle Lovett have a long time working relationship yeah. together. That sounds to me like it's more than just a working relationship. Yeah. It's a it's a friendship. Yeah, that's the that's the the very best thing, Brandon. You're right. There, this, yeah, I. I I don't yeah. want to ask you if you have like favorite pictures because that seems to me like asking who of your kids is your favorite. But do oh, you I, have... yeah, I know which kid's the favorite. Yeah. Oh well, then tell, yeah. tell us yeah. that story. <laughs> <laughs> I won't well, tell him. No, I promise. No. Uh, no. <laughs> but do you have a? Do you have a? We can talk about that afterwards, and I can, I can put my guesses down for who it might be. Uh, do you have a favorite experience? Mm. Uh, is there something yeah, that comes um, through that, like a story yes, that you can I, tell? I can, yeah, I, I have several wonderful experiences, and and um, and it's funny they they really don't have a a a f- photograph that is attached to that memory that feels so pleasant. Mm. Um, um, you know how you sort of like feel swelled up inside sometimes, like oh, you can't. Like, um, I remember a couple of those. One was I was in. Um, a little tiny motel room in Brussels, and I was photographing these uh, brother, uh, two brothers, uh, Sergio and Odair Assad, these classical guitarists. Wow! And um, <clears throat> they had done this beautiful record of um, Astor Piazzolla music, and um, which is really beautiful music. And I was a little familiar with it. And a lot of cla- times I'm around classical people, and the music is not in my wheelhouse. I'm not familiar with, so it's hard to. But this was music, and I was like, and it was Brussels, and it was cold and rainy, and they're from Brazil, and the music, Piazzolla's from Argentina, so they wanted the record to look like, well, you have to shoot, it's winter in Brussels, but we want this to not feel like... So, to feel warm in yeah, South so American. And- we found a, a, a way to make a picture, and it's a, it's a record that I, I, I love the way it turned out, the way it looks, and it... Um, but... I knew I also had, they said, can you get some pictures of them playing? And they, neither of the brothers had a place there where they were living in Brussels. And I just had this little, so I moved all the furniture as far away from the window as I could. And I got as far away from them. And it was just enough room where I could see both of them. And I didn't know what to do. And there's just enough light to fall on both of them. And I remember being sort of like comfortably in a position where I could make no more decisions. I couldn't get farther away. Mm. I couldn't get closer. All I could do is sit in this corner with my camera. I had no lenses to change. All I could do was sit there. And they started playing this music. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I know I'd let them play way longer than I needed to. Cause, <laughs> and it was just like... Um, and then another time was... Um, and, and, and this was in... Um, and this kind of moment has happened in lots of... But I remember specifically being in um, Sheffield, England, shooting a, a guy named Ben Taylor for his uh, dad, James Taylor. And it was funny. It was the music business so weird because he made this beautiful record that never came out. And I think that happens sadly a lot. But yeah. um, And this was a record that wound up never coming out. But I was, went to England to shoot him. Um, and it was like I'd never been to uh, that part of England. Well, I'd never been. Anyway, and, and these hills have no trees on them. They're just barren hills. And it was like sort of gray and rainy, which is sort of like where I feel most comfortable. And it's like, it was like, um, and, and I was, it was near the end of a, a day of shooting. And, and, and I, we were, went out and I, 
I suggested maybe this this hill might be a great place to shoot, but I would go look first. And I so they stayed down because it was kind of cold and rainy. And so I went up to the top of this hill, and the, the, the rain started going, you know, really harder. And it was just this sight I couldn't believe. And I remember just like sort of like just sitting down on the ground because w- they couldn't see me anymore. Uh-huh. I was out of sight, and I just felt like I was the luckiest person in the world. Like, I just like, I can't believe I just get to, and I, I came back down and said, there's nothing up here for us to shoot. So like, and it was like, it was your it, experience. Yeah. And yours alone. Was like, yeah. You, you just used a word ever since I have first met you, I, I have heard you use a specific turn of phrase. That's always uh, interested me. You never talk about taking pictures. You talk about making pictures. Uh, huh. And, um, I think that represents a more comprehensive, understanding of the process because for you that process and we've talked enough in the past about the darkroom process and about photographers that you admire i should have said earlier one of the things for people that aren't familiar with your work you work almost exclusively i know you do some digital stuff because you can't avoid it now but you work almost exclusively with film and almost exclusively with natural light yes and those are choices that you make because that's Yes. What you feel most comfortable with. Exactly. And that yeah. process of making a photo, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting language thing because when you're taking a picture, you know, there's like the Native American idea that when you take a picture yeah. of somebody, you take a, you take a piece of their yeah. soul, which, whereas the making a picture is a collaborative thing that you do with your surroundings and with somebody else, yeah. and it's not an instant, it's a yeah. process. Yes, is that, a, I don't know if there's a question there. It's just really interesting to me that you always use that phrase. Yeah, and I, it, it does feel better to my ears to, to say that. And I think there is some, and I think there is, you know, there is a, um, certainly enough, um, you know, sort of uh, enough to feel bad about as a photographer already. So if you start using the word like taking, which just feels more aggressive, it, it's maybe it's just totally selfish as it makes me, I feel a little bit more like this is something I want to be involved with if I, if I, if it's, a, if it doesn't sound so, um, uh, uh entitled. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what are you still learning and is there anything I mean, you are, I think by all measures, people talk about mastery in different fields. You have been doing this now for for 30, 40 years. I think anyone that's familiar with your work would say that you have achieved a level of mastery, but what are you trying? You just started, I don't know if you started this recently. I know that recently you have been very involved in taking the larger format um, wet plate prints. Yeah. Uh, You're still learning about you're going back into the history of photography. You're experimenting with other mediums. What are you excited to learn, and what are you still trying to do and learn and achieve with your craft? Oh, good, good uh, question. I, yeah, I am. I am interested in the. Um, um, I have been doing this, the wet plate, collodion, and there's a. I think there's been a, a lot of interest in that. I think it's just sort of a very natural, um, sort of. Um, outgrowth of the speed at which you know photography is growing digitally that that there's it's um 
and I and I am probably um, so that's not original on my part at all. It, it is sort of I, I'm probably doing it for many of the same reasons that a lot of people are. That it 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 sort of re sort of connects you to just how sort of magic this sort of process is mm. and that's what it's hard to remember when when something becomes for all the ease that <clears throat> has made photography as powerful as, as it is and accessible as and I think those are all good things all that's been made possible by ease but what has been lost is uh, you know I think it, it can get um, easy to lose the sense of magic, and for me, that 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 process is so full of like foibles and uh, things that that, and it is totally uh, physical. That um, it it's it's a joy because it is mysterious, hmm. miraculous. Do you have uh, photography? Maybe this is the wrong question to ask because you said earlier that you don't plan things out. But do you have? Do you still have things that you would like to accomplish that you're oh, thinking of that are yeah. sort of bucket listy type yeah. of things? Yeah, I, 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 I am. Um, there, there, there are. You know, most of them would have the <laughs> sort of like the the idea of um, of being curated into a book form. I, I'm, I'm. That is. Um, I think it's something that it, I, I think most photographers that I know that. That 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 is something I, I would I've I've done some a few, a few books but there are a couple that are have been living in my head for you know more than decades mm-hmm. and um, so that that feels like an open loop that I would love to I don't know if it'll close in my lifetime but um but uh, but but yeah I I want to gather up and try to make sense of some of these things that that. That, that move me and interest me, and I'm and I've got some certain very specific projects I'm working on right now because of um, uh, uh, I'm doing a a, pro, a a portrait project that will be a show in October for, as part of the uh, biennial photo focus biennial in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and that may have a, a small book uh, attached to it too. I'm I'm knocking wood and hoping that that will be a but I'm doing portraits all over the city in a portable studio that I'm dragging around. And, um, you know, yeah, Brandon, there's, there's, uh, I still want to make pictures and I want to, uh, I, I think what I'm hungry to do is sort of, sort of like, um, gather up enough pictures. So when, <laughs> that, that I, it's a beautiful thing I, I think to have something that you can give to somebody and say that it says this is what I think and you 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 have a uh, you know you're you and I'm sure you can understand this as a musician as someone that knows a, a poet that 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 the, the to be able to share so, yeah. what you care about is so yes I, I and and uh, it seems like the most obvious way that I'm longing for that is for some sort of book manifestation. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, you can go, Michael's website is michaelwilson.pictures. Yes. Uh, and you can go and see them, but there's something else about experiencing these photographs in a physical way, yeah. in a way that you can sit with them that's yeah. not on the screen. Yeah. Well, I certainly 
I hope that happens. I, yeah. I love your work and I love talking to you. Michael, I want to say thanks because I know that asking very often a visual artist to talk about their work, what's the old phrase? It's like dancing about architecture. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, you've been really generous with us and very kind to spend some time with us. And I, mm-hmm. I, I could talk to you for three hours because I love listening to you oh, talk cool. about what you do. But um, for everybody else, go to michaelwilson.pictures, check out his work. And Michael, thank you so much for spending the time with us. Thank you, Brandon. This episode of The Distiller Podcast was recorded live at Arnold's Bar and Grill, 210 East 8th Street in downtown Cincinnati. Thank you so much again to Michael Wilson for joining us on the show. You can learn more about Michael's work, including uh, finding links to his website, where you can see his extensive portfolio of portraits, including B.B. King, Emmy Lou Harris, Lyle Lovett, many others, by checking out this episode's page at thedistillerpodcast.com. You can also learn more about Arnold's Bar and Grill. And thanks again to the staff of Arnold's for hosting us so graciously, even as the lunch rush started to get a little busy, and for offering, but agreeing not to turn off the ringer on the old phone because we just couldn't stand not hearing that ringer go off during the show. So thank you to everyone at Arnold's. Love that place. The Distiller is produced, recorded, and hosted by me, Brandon Dawson, with co-production, booking, and photography from Terry Heist. For this episode, we were also joined by photographer Kyle Wolf, and some of her photos of the recording can be seen on the website as well. She's fantastic. Check that out and check out her other photographs, which we'll link to as well. Our show is mixed and edited by Justin Golden. Our logo was designed by Scott Ryan and our videos are by Mike Helm. You can find The Distiller on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere you find podcasts. Please subscribe to be notified when new episodes are released. And if you like what you hear, please do rate or review The Distiller wherever you listen. That helps us find our audience and vice versa. You can also download episodes, find links, and like I said, more information including photos of the guests, locations, and get in touch with us all at thedistillerpodcast.com or by email, mail at thedistillerpodcast.com. Whether it's to suggest people you think should be on The Distiller to talk about their search for meaningful work, somewhere interesting we should record the show, or something interesting we should drink while doing it, and whether by email, on the website, or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Thanks for listening.